Hey, what's up? We're Brave Youth, a youth movement happening all across Miami, starting at our home, Brave Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We can't wait to see how God's going to use it to change your life. Enjoy the message. (laughs) Amen. Come on, let's give it up for the worship team. Come on, isn't the worship team incredible? Yeah, 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 man. Man, I just love how our worship team just ushers in the presence of God. Come on, like, don't you guys just believe that, that we are called to be worshipers here on earth? That is your first responsibility, to be a worshiper. So I'm so grateful for the team that came and brought it today. But hey, listen, um, tonight I want to talk to you guys uh, for just a few moments today um, about something that I believe God has called each of us to. I believe from the left to the right to the front to the back, if you are in the sound of my voice, I believe that there is a calling on your life, and I want to talk to you about that, because how many of you would say, man, I want this to be the best year of my life? Anybody want this to be the best year of their life? As I look at my life, and I look at this year, man, I'm praying to God and having some crazy faith to believe that this is going to be the best year of my entire life. I want to do things that I've never done before. I want to be in places that I've never seen before. I want to see things that that I couldn't even imagine on my own. But how many know before I get there, I got to focus on my right now, right? And I have to start to prepare for there. Tonight, I want to prepare your hearts for something that I believe can change your life. It's three words. It's the title of my message tonight. Repeat this after me. God chose me. Tonight, I want you to understand that God chose you. God hand-selected you. Out of a group of people, God says, no, 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 I want that one. And if you can realize that God chose you, then all of a sudden, your life will look a whole lot different. Your outlook, your perspective, the way that you view things, all of a sudden, won't be through your lens, but it will be through God's lens. Does anybody want to look through God's lens tonight? Come on, come on, come on. Come on, I just so believe it. Come on, one more time. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't know about you, but God chose me. Come on, would you pray with me tonight? Dear Father, God, we love you. God, we praise you. We thank you that we get to be in this place tonight. We thank you for your presence that is so saturating this place. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, God. And we just invite you, Lord, to do what you want to do tonight. And we give you praise. And everybody said, amen, and amen, and amen. God chose me. Now, listen, has anybody ever, like, been on the playground when they were in grade school picking teams for kickball, dodgeball, football, basketball, any of the ball things that you do on a playground? Anybody, anybody? Like, you ever notice, like, and and I don't know the level of all of your athleticism in the room. I know that we have some athletes. I know that we have some not athletes, okay? Like, Like, I don't know where you fit in the spectrum, but I'm sure that all of us can relate to some extent being picked last in the lineup. Okay. Now, I, I just want to do a survey around the room. And listen, this is a judgment-free zone. Okay, so we're not going to laugh at you. Okay, but I want you to be honest. Why? Because God is watching you tonight. All right. How many of you have ever been picked last in the lineup? Anybody? Come on, come on. Let's clap it up for those people. Let's clap it up for those people. Come on. We love you. Listen, God loves you. God still chose you. Listen, uh, nobody likes being picked last. Okay? Like, like, raise your hand if you like being last. 
picked, okay? All of you, you guys are liars, okay? All right, why? Because, because what being picked last means is that there is something about you that is less valuable than somebody else on the team. I wonder how many times the enemy is able to confuse you, to confuse your friends, and say, no, 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 God has not picked you. He's actually picked you last. Why? Because you're not as valuable as that person. You're not good enough. You don't look the best. And so, and so God shows you last. I came to remind somebody today that in 1 Peter 2.9, it says the complete opposite. It says, but you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. God's special possession that you may proclaim the praises of him who's called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Listen, I, I may not have what you have. I may not be talented like you're talented. I may not be pretty like you're pretty. But somehow, some way, for some reason, God chose me to be on his team. Is anybody thankful that God chose you in the room tonight? Like, like you might be here today saying, you know what, I, I don't feel like the prettiest in the room. Man, I don't feel like the most talented in the room. I don't feel like my, my gifts can flourish as much as the other person in the room. I came to tell you tonight that for some reason, I don't know the reason, but God knows the reason. I'm so thankful that God doesn't look at the outward appearance of a man, but he looks at the heart. And when he's able to find a heart that is pure, that is righteous, that is faith-filled, he says, I want that one. I want that one because I'm more concerned about integrity over what you look like. I'm more concerned about the pureness over, uh, of your heart uh, uh, over what you've accomplished. God chose me. Say, God chose me. Yeah, yeah. I love Netflix. Anybody love Netflix? Okay. I love Netflix. I love binge watching stuff on Netflix. Netflix is better than cable. It's better than Disney Plus. It's better than, the, okay, okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. We'll have a conversation afterward. I don't know what you like to watch on Netflix, but I love watching sports documentaries. Okay, thank you for the person in the back that agrees with me. I love sports documentaries, and me and my wife, um, we started playing this one documentary. She's like, hey, will you watch this with me? And it was titled Cheer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I love Cheer, okay? I watched it the first time, and I turned it on. I was like, woman, I'm a man. I ain't going to watch no cheerleaders. Turns out she stopped watching, and I watched the whole thing by myself, okay? I loved it. Now, listen, what cheer is all about is it's this cheer competition, this cheerleading college, this Juco college, and they are phenomenal at cheerleading, okay? And I loved watching it because there's this guy named Jerry. Everybody say Jerry. I love Jerry. Why do I love Jerry? Because he's this big black man who just, you look at him, and you're like, this guy does not look like a cheerleader, Okay, Jerry's the type of dude to be picked last in the lineup, okay? And as you follow this documentary, and there's this, there's this thing that they say, I want to make the mat. I want to make the mat. In other words, I want to be in the game. I want to be the one on the mat throwing the people and watching them do backflips and then catching them. I want to be on the mat. And so these people, they, they compete for these positions on the mat. I love it because Jerry, he's not fit. He's not as strong, he's not as good looking, and he's always picked last to be on the mat. So much that other people look at him, they start making fun of him, they start pointing fingers, they're like, Jerry, listen, you are not as good as me. And I love Jerry because Jerry could have been bitter, Jerry could have gotten upset, 
Jerry could have said, you know what, I'm going to quit the team. Jerry could have said, you know what, I'm going to have a bad attitude. But as you follow this documentary, Jerry stays faithful. Jerry says, you know what, I'm going to encourage everybody that is on the mat because I know that my day is coming one day. You see, that's why you have to be careful with comparison. Why? Because comparison is a crusher. It's a crusher of your dreams. It's a crusher of your faith. It's a crusher of your identity. And most importantly, it's a crusher of your potential. You see, if you're not careful with comparison, then comparison will cause you to question why God chose you. And you'll substitute your position for someone else's position that you're not ready to carry yet. And what happens when you put yourself under that kind of pressure, it crushes you. You see, Jerry had two options. He could have said, you know what? I'm going to compare myself to somebody else who can do all the flips and do all those things. But Jerry realized if I compare myself to that person, then I'm going to realize that I'm a lot lower than I feel right now. So what Jerry does is he stays in his lane and he starts to cheer on all these people. And the cheer competition comes to a close and they're about to go to this big championship. And the coach calls him in and he says, Jerry, now is your time to get on the mat. He said, Coach, why, why are you putting me on the mat? He said, because you've been faithful. You've been dedicated. And I've seen your attitude. You didn't compare yourself to other people, but you stayed in your lane. So now I'm choosing you to be on the mat. I wonder how many of you guys have been taken out, been stripped of your responsibility that God chose you for because you looked at somebody else's role and said, no, 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 God, I want that one. And God said, I didn't create you for that one. I created you for this one. I didn't create that person for this one. I created you. I chose you. So Jerry makes it on the mat, and, and they win the championship. Sorry, spoiler alert for those of you who are like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go. Like, come on, it was obvious. They, they won it every year, so they were going to win again. But, but, but you see, I wonder how many times in life we, we count ourselves out, and then God says, well, I can't use you because you're not in it. You see, God chose you for a reason. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the reasons why you might strip yourself out of the role that God has called you for. It reminds me of the story in Genesis of Abraham and his wife, Sarah. I'm going to paraphrase this story a little bit because it's a long story, but then I'm going to get to the culmination of all of it. There's a man named Abraham and he has a wife and his name is Sarah. And God promises Abraham that he is going to be made into a great nation. He's going to have so many kids that you can't even count them. He says, look at the stars, look at the sand. It will be even greater than that. Well, time goes by. Sarah is almost 100 years old and she has not had a son yet. I mean, no, that's a long time to not have a baby. So God looks down and he says, hey, don't worry. I got you. Just trust me. You will be a great nation. So Abraham comes back. He's like, all right, God, like I'm getting old. Like, like things just don't work the same way that they used to when I was young. So like, can you hurry this thing along? And Sarah, she gets impatient. And what she does is she grabs her servant and she says, well, if I can't have a baby, then Abraham, take my servant so that we can have a kid. So Abraham takes the servant named Hagar. Everybody say Hagar. And they have a baby. Everybody say, aw. And they name this baby Ishmael. Everybody say Ishmael. You see, Abraham and, and, and Hagar, they love this baby Ishmael. But because Sarah was not the biological mother of this son, she hated him. She hated him. 
She just absolutely did not like him. She had a problem with him. And then finally, God came down and said, you know what? You've been patient. Now is your time to have a child. And so finally, Sarah had a child. And they named him Isaac. Everybody say Isaac. Okay. I'm giving you like the the fast version of, of like three chapters right now. Okay. So that you don't have to read. You can just move on to the next chapter of your Bible reading plan. Um. And so, so you have Ishmael and Hagar on this side, and then you have Sarah and Isaac on this side. A lot of things happen, and, and, and now that Sarah has a child named Isaac, she looks at Ishmael and she says, they cannot be here anymore. And so she kicks them out. How many of you know, like, women be crazy sometimes? Can I get an amens? <laughs> like, she gets crazy, she says, hey, y'all gotta go. Y'all can't be in my household anymore because I need to raise my son Isaac. And so they kick Hagar and Ishmael out into the desert to fend for themselves. And, and, and then we pick up. Now, how many of you know like Hagar and Ishmael, at this point in their life, they're feeling like they were picked last in the lineup right? Like they're feeling like, man, nobody wants me. We're just an outcast. Like this ain't a thing anymore. And, and we find themselves in the desert. You see, there are three things that I want to talk to you about today, okay? Three reasons why you take yourself out of the position that God placed you in many times, okay? Can we go there tonight? Somebody say, yeah. Come on, somebody say, God chose me. I love it because Ishmael, he was a product of failure. First thing I want you to write down tonight is failure. How many know so, so many times in life we count ourselves out, we say, God can't use me because I failed. You see, where, where Sarah is in her life, she feels like a failure. And so Ishmael was a constant reminder of her failure. You see, Sarah failed to have a child, and so she asked Hagar to have one for her. The only issue, though, is that Sarah was operating out of disobedience because she became impatient. Can I tell you the fastest way for you to fail this year? Be disobedient to God. That's the fastest way for you to fail. All you have to do is say, God, I'm going to take this into my own hands. What is disobedience? Disobedience is saying, you know what, God, you must not have this, so I'm going to take this into my own hands. The only issue with that, though, is that your hands, they're not supernatural. Your hands don't deliver a promise. Your hands have not been pierced to a cross, defeated death, hell, and the grave. Those aren't your hands. Those are God's hands. You see, we need God's hand in our life. The issue, though, about disobedience is that when we are disobedient to God's plan, we say, man, we must just have a better plan than you, God. We, God, God, you must have like done something wrong because your plan doesn't look right. And so I'm going to be impatient. I'm going to be disobedient. I'm going to start operating out of my own will, not your God-given will for my life. And then that always leads to failure. And we find ourselves in a pit just like Sarah saying, well, I thought I was doing the right thing by giving Hagar to Abraham. Did you notice that Sarah was the one that offered Hagar to Abraham? But then as soon as she had the son, she got bitter. And God is looking down at Sarah and was saying, Sarah, that was your idea. You put yourself in that place. That's not my fault. That was your fault. How, how often have you blamed God for doing something that was really your disobedience? Like, I wonder what would happen if there was a generation that said, you know what? I am going to be obedient to God, whatever it takes, God. I know that you chose me. I know that there was a responsibility on me because God chose me. I'm going to be responsible. 
I'm going to be patient. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. You know how hard it is to be patient in affliction? Now, I know that's a, that's a big word for some of y'all, okay? Affliction means trials. It means tribulations. It means things aren't going your way. God says, be patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. In other words, any time that you feel like you're about to be impatient and start to be disobedient, what do you need to do? You need to be faithful in prayer. You need to close your eyes and say, God, I need you right now. Holy Spirit, would you feel me, God? I'm trying to be impatient right now, God, but would you give me some patience, God? Would you give me some faith to believe that you have chose me, you have called me for such a time as this? I'm your special possession, so I know you're not going to leave me. Yeah, be patient in affliction. She started comparing herself to people now that have succeeded. Have you ever failed? And then you look at someone else's life and you start to get bitter at them because you see their success and you look at your failure and you say, man, I wish I was them. I wish I was successful like them. I wish I had the status of them. I wish I had the, 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 all the accolades of them. See, that's what Sarah found herself doing. And so now she moved from her failure to fear. That's the second thing I want you to write down tonight. Fear is always a byproduct of your failures. You ever notice that like when you fail to do something, like you get afraid to ever try it again? Like I just went skydiving, y'all. Okay. And I'm not going to lie. I was afraid. But how many knew? I'd be like way more afraid if my parachute failed the first time, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if my parachute didn't deploy, I'd be like, I ain't doing this no more because I'll be dead. You know what I'm saying? Like, like fear is always a byproduct of your failures. So Sarah, she failed to have a child, and now she fears of being a good mother, and she starts comparing herself to Hagar, who was successful, who was able to do it the first time, who was able to accomplish what she couldn't do the first time. And so she says, I need you to go, and she starts operating out of fear. You see, it's hard to believe that God chose you when fear has a hold on your life. It's hard to, it's hard to uh, believe that God chose you when you're constantly walking in fear because you're like, God, I can't believe you chose me. What if I mess this up? What if I drop the blessing? What if I'm not good enough to carry it? And God's saying, no, 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 I chose you for this. You don't have to be afraid because I chose you. You see, uh, I, I love it because I have a dog named Taco. Okay, how many of you guys love Taco? How many of you guys hate taco? It's all right. Okay, I know, I, know that there's, I know that there's some of you. It's okay. I'm praying for you. Um, but he does not like to share, okay? My dog does not like to share. I love my dog, but he doesn't like to share. So I'll bring him home a new toy, like an interactive toy that like, he's supposed to bring back to me, share it with me, and then I give it to him, and then he brings it back to me. But he does not like to do it. So when I bring him home a new toy, he puts it in his mouth, he runs over to the corner, and then like, I'll move like one step, and then he'll freak out and he'll sprint around the house with his toy. You see, can I tell you today that God does not want you to be a guard dog of your blessing. God wants you to be a gatekeeper of your blessing. 
What's the difference between a guard dog and a gatekeeper? A guard dog keeps people out, but a gatekeeper opens the gate for people to come in. I don't know about you, but when God blesses my life, I don't want to be someone that says, no, 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 no. I need you to back up because I'm afraid of what you're about to do with this. No, I want to share the blessing with my friends and my family and the person on the street that needs that same blessing. I don't want to be a guard dog. I want to be a gatekeeper. I want to be someone that says, I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed. God, I know that what you're doing in their life is for them. And I know that what you're doing in my life is for me. So I can share it. I don't want to be someone that says, no, no, no. Like, like you need to like back up a little bit. Because this blessing is for me. No, I want to say, man, God, even in the midst of my failure, you came through on the promise. And now I get to share my testimony with other people and help them get out of that place too. Yeah. That's why in John 15, 16, it says, you did not choose me. I love that. This is God speaking. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. In other words, you did not choose the thug life. The thug life chose you. I love that scripture. God says, no, 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 bro, no. You didn't choose me. Like you thought that you said yes to me. You thought that you gave your life to me. You thought that it was a decision that you made? No, no, no. I made this decision before you were born. I chose you. I knit you in your mother's room. I knew that you were coming out. I knew that you were going to say yes. I chose you. I chose you. So, so Hagar and Ishmael find themselves in the desert. The band can come back up. And they run out to find water. And Hagar starts to sob because she is worried that her son is going to die. And all of a sudden, all hope is lost for their family, for their future. They move from failure to fear to now this third one. Write this down, forgetfulness. You you ever felt like like God forgot about you? You ever felt like, like, you ever just been in a season where you're like, man, God, you must not see me. God, like, like, I know that you're doing all these incredible things for all these other people, but like, what about me? They get into the state of forgetfulness. You see, this is a scary state to be in because the reality is that God never forgot about you. But the enemy would love for you to think that he forgot about you. Just because you are in a desert doesn't mean that God forgot. It might just mean that he's trying to teach you something. It might just mean that he's trying to say, hey, I just need you to ask one more time and lean into me and ask for my hand so that I can bring you out of this desert and into some water. They move into this stage of forgetfulness, and I love this part of the story. I love this ending because it is one of the greatest underdog stories ever written in the Bible. A servant who was forgotten about. A boy who was an outcast and not loved by anybody. Genesis 21. They are in the desert. Hagar is sobbing. And God speaks to them and he says this, God heard the boy crying. Let me stop there. Can I tell you that God hears your cries? 
Yeah, late at night when you think that nobody hears you, can I tell you that God hears you? You think that you're all alone? You think that you're isolated? You think that you're by yourself? Can I tell you that there is a God in heaven who hears your cries? You feel like you're in the desert, but God hears you. He hears you. God heard the boy crying. Oh, I love that. I'm so thankful that I serve a God that hears me. That when I'm frustrated in my car, God hears me. That when I'm mad at my life and my past failure, God hears me. That when things aren't going my way and I'm complaining and I'm griping and I'm just about to give up, God hears me. But he doesn't just hear you. Watch this, watch this. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. I love that. He promises uh, Ishmael, he says, I will make you into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Watch this. God was with the boy as he grew up. God was with the boy as he grew up. Listen, hear me today. Just because you were born into a messed up situation, maybe, maybe the, the reason that you are the way you are isn't because of you. It was because of divorce. It was because something happened to you. It was because there was something that you could not control. But God hasn't forgotten about you. Man, I, I feel that so strong in the room that I just need to say it a few more times for one person in the room that you thought God forgot about you. I came to tell you today that God has not forgotten about you. God has not forgotten about you. You see, I, I did some research about this boy named Ishmael and the biblical meaning of his name. Watch this, watch this. Ishmael, it means an orphan. A social outcast and a misfit. Listen, you might be here tonight feeling like an Ishmael, feeling like an outcast, feeling like somebody who does not fit in, but I came to encourage you today that God still chose you. God still chose you. God still chose you even when you messed up. Guess what? God chose you even when you failed. Guess what? God chose you even when you were afraid. Guess what? God chose you even when you didn't have it all together. Guess what? God chose you even when you were still a sinner. God got up on a cross and he said, oh, even though he doesn't understand it, even though he's been running away from me, even though he hasn't put all the pieces together in his life, I'm going to die on a cross for him because I chose you. Come on, somebody shout, God chose me. Yeah, 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 yeah. God chose me. God chose me. God chose me. Listen, if you don't get anything out of today's message, if you don't get anything out of the rest of the year from this platform, know that God chose you. It's as simple as that. God, why'd you choose me? I don't know, but he did. 
Did you know that anytime you pick somebody and add them into your lineup, whether it was a dodgeball game or a kickball game, you know that you didn't choose them, but you also gave them a responsibility to perform. You gave them a responsibility to live up to the reputation that they have just given you. Can I tell you that there is a reputation in heaven that God is saying, will you live up to that reputation? Will you begin to create a legacy on your life? I love it because Ishmael, a social outcast, a misfit, somebody who didn't belong, God said, no, 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 Ishmael, you might be an outcast, but guess what? I am going to make you into a great nation. And for the rest of Ishmael's life, he grew up with God on his side. How powerful is that? That Ishmael... Somebody who didn't fit in now has God on his side. Come on, would you stand up to your feet with me today? I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you came in with. You might be feeling like an Ishmael. You might be feeling like an outcast, a misfit, somebody who doesn't have it all together. But can I tell you today that there is a God who's hearing your cry. He's saying, no, no, I haven't forgot about you. You are not the last. You are the first. Did you know that the Bible says the last shall be first and the first shall be last? So if you're feeling like the last, just know that God is about to make you the first. He's about to put a crown of glory on your head. He's about to grow up with you and make you into a great nation. I believe that. I believe that that's the call of every single person in this room tonight. Whether you're a student or a leader, God is saying, hey, look, I'm looking for some Ishmaels. I'm looking for some people that don't fit in. I'm looking for some people that when they look at them, they say, oh, that's just a servant boy. And they say, no, 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 no. That's a boy who's about to serve the kingdom of heaven and sit at the right hand of Jesus Christ and the throne of God. Come on, with every head bowed and every eye closed as we close tonight. If you're in this room and you're saying, hey, you know what? I just feel like an Ishmael. Tonight, I just need to be reminded that God chose me. God, would you remind me that I have not been forgotten about? God, would you remind me that I do fit in to something? It might not be here on this earth, God, but you don't look at the outward appearance. You look at the inward appearance. So, God, would you begin to purify my heart? If that's you in this room tonight, you say, man, that's me. I just need to be reminded that God still loves me, that God did choose me. That God has a plan and a purpose for my life. Come on, on a count of three, one, two, three, would you just raise your hand right now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, I came to declare tonight that God chose you. You don't have to fit in. You don't have to strive for. You don't have to look like other people. Just know that God chose you to be exactly who you are, to be standing where you are, to be carrying what you carry. Oh, God chose you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He's actually heard your cry, and he's preparing a plan for you. All you have to do is be patient. Don't fall into fear. Don't fall into forgetfulness. Don't fall into failure. Just be patient and watch what God can do in your life. Jesus, remind us right now. Remind us right now, God. I'm so thankful, God, that you chose me. God, I'm so thankful that you chose a seven-year-old kid in his PE class. God, I'm so thankful that you chose a kid that was just crazy and wild and wanted to live life. God, I'm so, I'm so thankful, God, that you chose me at a young age and showed me that I could be something, that I could do something for your glory and for your kingdom, God. You chose me. God, you're choosing individuals in this room, God. If you're in this room tonight 
and you say, man, I've never given my life to Christ. God chose me, but I haven't chosen him yet. If you're in this room tonight, can I tell you that the greatest decision that you can ever make is to say, God, I know that you chose me, so now I choose you. I choose you. If you're in this room tonight and you say, man, God, I just want to choose you. I want to go all in. I want to let my faith be elevated. God, I want to have that kind of life that he's talking about. I want this to be the best year ever. That's you with every head bowed and every eye closed. This is the most important part of our service. On a count of three, I just want you to raise your hand, not to embarrass you, but just as a sign of saying, God, I'm going all in with you. Come on, one, two, three, if that's you, come on, raise your hand. Yeah, good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, would everybody pray this prayer with me as we close today? Say, dear Jesus, I choose you. Forgive me of my sins. I say yes to you. God, I want to be obedient to you. I want your plan. I want your purpose for my life. I know I was walking like an Ishmael, but God, now would you make me into a great nation? I say yes to you. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on a cross. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, give him a shout of praise tonight. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you like this message, hit subscribe and stay connected by visiting us at brave.guide. We'll see you next time. And remember, no turning back. The best is yet to come.